0: E.M Board Bombs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs Podcast where board studying continues to be enjoyable. My name is Blake Briggs. I am not joined today by Dr. Hussein. We'll talk about that in a minute. Big updates. For each 15-minute episode, you gain high-yield board knowledge. As we like to say, come for the stems, stay for the content. I should say 15 minutes or less, depending on what topic we're covering. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, at EMBoardBombs. I want to give a huge shout-out to our EM Rapid Bombs. Hey, everyone listen up, especially residents, emergency medicine residents. The in-training service exam is coming up. If you're an intern, yes, that is a thing. You have to take it all three or four years if you're a four-year program. So get ready. It's going to be at the end of February, so you got less than two months, depending on when you listen to this podcast. If you're listening to it the week of the in-training exam, good luck. you got a lot of cramming time coming up. But keep that in mind. We have our Rapid Bombs Question Bank podcast. It's our premium podcast. If you enjoy EM Board Bombs but want a TikTok version of our podcast, that's what our Rapid Bombs podcast is for. We are at around 200 episodes now. Really exciting. We're reaching a big milestone after doing this for almost a year now. Recently, our numbers have exploded with people signing up, so please take advantage of our Rapid Bombs podcast, and it really optimizes your studying plan and learning plan during residency and beyond. Each episode is just two to four minutes where we drop high yield bombs in question answer format so it gets seared into your memory. On average, we drop four to five episodes a week so you get a new podcast delivered to you almost daily. Remember, EM Rapid Bombs is for the people who get short bursts of learning done via audio form while doing whatever they want, driving, running, working out, walking the dog or cat or other animal. We have had signups range from medical students to residents to even seasoned attendings. If you're really into the pathophys, you really want long, nitty-gritty, detailed answers of every disease pathology, well, that's not really us. If you like to listen to one-hour-long podcast where the hosts make fun of studies, they're underpowered, blah, 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 that's not us either. But if that's not you, you're someone that likes to optimize your time and study maximum amount of content. You're not dredging through question banks all day. We are the right people for you. Sign up for EM Rapid Bombs at emrapidbombs.supercast.com. You can also look at the show notes of this podcast for a direct link. You can also find the link on EM Board Bombs as well. So Dr. Hussein will not be joining us today. I said big update. I was just joking. There's not really any big updates. He's safe and healthy and fine. He's too busy optimizing his new TikTok channel. We'll let you know the name and the title of that channel soon. And he's right now buying off Amazon some TikTok t-shirts and sweatpants to wear while in his videos. Let's dive into the question stem here. We have a 23-year-old male with a history of eczema presenting to your ED after he was doing several hours of winter yard cleaning. He states he watched a couple of YouTube videos on composting and backyard gardening during the pandemic, so he decided to try his hand at it. He's having multiple episodes of vomiting and abdominal pain in the ED. On exam, you notice a diffuse urticarial rash. He is most upset that he was unable to upload his new mulching video onto Facebook's story before EMS arrived. The rest of his physical exam is completely benign. His vital signs are only abnormal for tachycardia. What is the next best step? Choice A, ODT Zofran. Choice B, IV Benadryl. Choice C, IM epinephrine. Choice D, normal saline bolus. Choice E, PO doxycycline. Correct answer here is going to be choice C, I am epinephrine. So this is an anaphylaxis response the patient is having, secondary to likely an insect bite or something in the yard. We have someone here who was in his yard and developed a sudden rash associated with an allergic reaction and concurrent GI symptoms and tachycardia. This patient has two system involvement making this an anaphylactic reaction, indicating that you should give the patient epinephrine. I'm sure some of you out there were wondering, where is doxycycline fitting into this? Should I just pick that? Because I'm not sure if this is anaphylaxis or not. (laughs) I'm curious if anyone did pick doxycycline, actually. Um, That is interesting. I want to make sure we just talk about everything you need to know of anaphylaxis. It's an extremely unpredictable course depending on the patient's allergen type and frequency of exposure, as well as the overall health of the patient. This is really important. It is impossible and dangerous to predict how rapid it will progress or how severe anaphylaxis will become. The key to diagnosing and treating anaphylaxis successfully is quickly recognizing the criteria and not relying on what I like to call the accessory medications, steroids, Benadryl, ranitidine, which I always laugh at when people give that. Epinephrine should primarily be given and is the only agent that reduces mortality. So, limited history here. You're not going to be sitting in the room doing a whole HPI. You're going to be quickly responding to the issue and deciding on IM epinephrine immediately. Your history should never delay treatment with epinephrine. You should ask basic questions like known allergies, change in medications, what is the likely exposure, how long ago since the last exposure, has this happened before, etc. Your physical exam should be straightforward and streamlined. Examine the skin for rash or swelling anywhere. Examine the face and neck for angioedema. Listen for wheezing or strider. 20% of patients with anaphylaxis do not have a rash. Let's say that again. 20% of patients with anaphylaxis do not have a rash. So this next step here is really important. It's on our website, and it's the criteria for anaphylaxis. Now, I'm, I'm only reading these once because I hate listing things, but I just want to put it into your brain to think about that only one of these following three criterion has to be present to nail the diagnosis. Point number one, acute onset less than six hours with skin finding and either respiratory symptoms or hypotension. Point number two, two or more of the following after likely exposure to a known allergen. Skin findings, respiratory symptoms, hypotension, GI symptoms, like vomiting or epigastric pain. And choice number three, hypotension after likely exposure to a known allergen. Many healthcare providers don't suspect anaphylaxis in the absence of hypotension. In fact, I know a lot of people, including I was one of them, in medical school that thought you had to be hypotensive to have anaphylaxis. Completely false. The danger signs here would be respiratory distress plus or minus stridor. You want to look for evidence of facial, tongue, or voice alteration, or oral edema. This is concerning for angioedema and should prompt intubation you want to strongly consider awake intubation with a flexible scope too in a minority of cases cricothorotomy may be required when there's severe enough airway edema you know we're not going to get into angioedema there's a whole separate podcast i did with one of our team members Marlena uh, back in 2020 uh, take a listen to that if you want for details let's get into the meat of this podcast here which is treatment with epinephrine so epinephrine has changed its dosing over recent years and it's really great how simple it is now so it should be point milligrams per kilogram IM epinephrine for patients of any age. The max dose per single dose is 0.5 milligrams. Let's say that one more time. 0.01 milligrams per kilogram IM epinephrine for patients of any age max single dose 0.5 milligrams. Epinephrine is the only drug that addresses all the pathologic components of anaphylaxis. So the dose should be drawn up using a single one milliliter syringe using the one make per mil formulation of epinephrine. This is the quote-unquote anaphylactic epinephrine. It should be injected into the outer thigh for maximum absorption. None of the other medications I'm going to talk about in a minute are important as epinephrine. Do not give anaphylactic dose epinephrine sub-Q. I've seen this given sometimes. And never give it IV. I remember one time I was... <laughs> a resident. And one of my, one of my distant friends was a radiologist at another institution. And I remember he was talking about how he has this moonlighting gig where he got to moonlight at an outpatient MRI unit or something. And I'm like, what do you have to do at this outpatient MRI center besides, you know, read MRIs, whatever. And he's like, Oh, you know, the only medical thing we have to do is they have to have a doctor there because they have to give Uh, epinephrine if they have anaphylactic response to the contrast or something or whatever medications they get and I'm like oh okay that's that's not too hard he's like yep he's like I just plan to give IV epinephrine and I looked at him like you know laughing at first and he was dead serious and we had to have a very serious conversation (laughs) about how that's not how you treat anaphylaxis and it was a little bit freaky because (laughs) I said to him wait you tell me you're getting paid and that's the only medical emergency you have to handle (laughs) and you're not ready for it (laughs) So hopefully the, he didn't have to give any IV epinephrine, um, because they would have been transferred to our ER <laughs> later for issues. In short, IM epinephrine is safe, fast, with less cardiac complications. That is a primary route you should be giving. Sub-Q and IV are not correct. Sub-Q has an erratic onset. It's not as good as IM. And then IV, of course, could harm the patient if you're giving that concentrated of a dose. So, you're probably wondering, hey, when are you going to mention the whole 1 to 1,000 ratio or 1 to 10,000 ratio? Well, thankfully, we got rid of that. More and more, the ratio labeling of describing epinephrine dosing, which anaphylactic epi was originally called 1 to 1,000, and then the quote unquote cardiac epi or, or code epinephrine was 1 to 10,000. It's fallen by the wayside. Ampules of 1 mg per mil were labeled as 1 to 1,000, but this caused medication errors and iatrogenic harm to the patient. Think about it in a stressful situation, I'm sure you have, in your career thus far, hopefully not, seen a nurse or somebody give anaphylactic epi through the IV. You know, it's in the heat of the moment, or maybe no one ever taught them correctly. That's wrong. Since 2016, the FDA actually made it a rule saying that the labels of these 1 to 1,000, 1 to 10,000 should have been removed from epinephrine vials or packaging. Briefly, if you have an auto injector that the patient has with them, or if you have it just available, use this instead to avoid any dose calculation errors and delays in administration. So then you're probably wondering well, I learned it was always 0.3 milligrams IM epinephrine for any adult. Why are you telling me now that it's 0.01 mg per kg IM epinephrine for patients of any age? Well, I promise I just didn't pull that out from somewhere. That's actually the new guidelines. And there's a lot of reasons why, but number one is that we've probably been underdosing epinephrine for several years for two reasons. One, that's a standard dose, 0.3. Imagine the weight, average weight of a lot of our patients, which is more than that. And two, studies have shown that Patients that are under treated for epinephrine have a higher risk of biphasic reactions and severe complications and rebound anaphylaxis. So, all these reasons given here, you should be doing the 0.01 mix per kg epinephrine for the most accurate dose possible with a max single dose of 0.5 milligrams. So, epinephrine may need to be repeated though every five to 10 minute interval. If there's no response or unsatisfactory response, up to 35% of patients will need a second dose. You should be prepared to switch to an IV infusion early, and if a patient is requiring a second dose, be ready to initiate the drip early and avoid delays. So speaking of IV epinephrine, you want to avoid boluses. In most cases, there are significant higher rates of iatrogenic cardiac complications and dosing errors with boluses. However, if you are waiting for your IV infusion to begin, and your patient is in extremis, push-dose epinephrine can be your friend. You want to push 0.5 to 1 milliliter, which is Fifty to one hundred micrograms of push dose epinephrine from your you know typical ten milliliter syringe as needed every five to ten minutes. So here at EM Board Bombs, we like to make our own in-house dirty Epi drips. Uh, we usually have Jeeves do it for us now with our new Rapid Bombs podcast. We hired him specifically to follow us around the ED and mix Epi drips for us when we need them. It's very comedian actually. And on this special episode of EM Board Bombs, sneak peek, insider edition. Jeeves has allowed me to share our secret recipe on how to make the dirty epi drip. You want to mix your epinephrine drip by adding the entire 10 milliliter contents of a 0.1 mg per mil pre-filled cardiac epinephrine syringe. You're not using a jigger here, you're using a syringe. For those of you that are into bartending, hopefully you got that joke. And you're going to add the entire 10 milliliter content of that pre-filled cardiac epinephrine syringe, that's a total of one milligram of epinephrine, to a 1,000 milliliter bag of saline. And remember here, you want to do shaken, not stirred, of course. This results in one microgram per milliliter solution and delivers one microgram per minute for each 60 mils per hour of solution given. If that was a lot for you, then I'm sorry, I'm not going to repeat it (laughs) because I need to keep going with this to finish within the allotted time. You're going to start the typical infusion here at 0.1 micrograms per kilogram per minute, and the range is 0.05 to 0.2 micrograms. You want to increase the infusion rate every two to three minutes by 0.05 micrograms until the blood pressure improves by at least 10%. All right, so adverse effects of epinephrine. There's no absolute complications, but common side effects include mild anxiety, restlessness, palpitations, and headaches. Very rarely, arrhythmias can occur. So IV boluses, like I said earlier, this is where you don't do IV boluses of epinephrine. Push doses, great. IV boluses, bad. Do your drip instead. IV fluids are good to give here. Expect massive fluid shifts. Anaphylaxis is distributive shock. So within minutes, up to 35% of a patient's intravascular volume can move into the extravascular space. So IV fluids are your primary response for hypotension. What if they're still hypotensive? Well, you know, vasopressors can be used here. And there's thought about using vasopressin versus norepinephrine. No one really knows. And no one really cares. So probably norepinephrine is your good bet. One time an anesthesiologist told me it's God's presser. It's used for everything. It's always the right answer if you're a medical student on rounds about vasopressors. It just seems to be the perfect mix of a vasopressor agent. So norepinephrine is fine. What about glucagon? So a lot of people bring this up about patients with anaphylaxis and, you know, they're on beta blockers or something or ACE inhibitors, right? They have a higher risk of severe anaphylaxis due to the blunting effect of epinephrine. Interestingly, one retrospective study showed that over about 700 patients on beta blockers with anaphylaxis had no increased epinephrine dosing than those not on beta blockers. However, if someone appears to be refractory, sure, give it. Glucagon can be given. Remember that it can cause a lot of vomiting, so just be prepared for that, especially with airway concerns. Be really cautious. All right, you're probably waiting for this point here. All of you, especially you med students, thinking, what about all the adjunctive agents? What about the H1 blockers, H2 blockers, everything I learned about? New segment of why do we do these things that don't make a difference? We're talking about adjunctive agents. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Well, I really get on my soapbox for this because I think it's stupid. Y- yes, of course, you can give these medications. I don't really care if people give them. The point is, is that they don't do anything life saving. And it, it, I wrote an article for this recently for Emergency Medicine News Journal. Shameless plug, check it out for the January edition. None of these reduce mortality, any of these H1 or H2 blockers or even steroids. They don't relieve airway obstruction. And you can give them to reduce symptoms, but that's it. H1 blockers like cetirizine or Benadryl or diphenhydramine, whatever. H2 blockers like famotidine, because ranitidine apparently causes cancer. <laughs> it's not given anymore. You can give these medications with minimal harm, but you should never let them take precedence over epinephrine. I see a lot of people make the mistake of saying, let's give them Benadryl and check on them in 10 minutes. Wrong answer. We live in a very weird epinephrine phobic society right now. I'm not sure where it began. It needs to stop. We need to be giving epinephrine up front. And sure, if you're on the fence about it, just give it. Just give it. Give I am epinephrine. What about steroids? Well, I just said, they don't really do anything. They've been found to not prevent recurrence of anaphylaxis. Their evidence is poor. The American Association of Allergists and Immunology, they even said don't give them. So if they're saying don't give them, why are we giving them? So I don't ever give them. If they're being discharge from the hospital. And your boards aren't going to ask you this. They want to ask you specifically what to do for anaphylaxis, how to recognize it, how to treat it. That's epinephrine. They're not going to say, should you give them steroids or not? It's not going to be an answer here. So the only time typically that you should be giving steroids for anaphylaxis is if you're admitting them to the hospital, like severe refractory anaphylaxis, or if there's something else going on, like angioedema or an asthma exacerbation, of course. What about disposition? So all patients require observation until complete symptom resolution. No one agrees on the exact time of observation. I was just having this conversation last night in the pediatric ED. We were watching some child for two hours for something. I feel like two hours is that classic emergency medicine number that's like not too much, not too little. (laughs) PCARN, yeah, two hours sometimes. Uh, Anaphylaxis or racemic epinephrine, yeah, two hours. Sounds good. Everyone disagrees on this, like plus or minus an hour, but it seems like two hours is this magic threshold that you always feel good about yourself when you send the patient home. So no one really agrees on the exact time of observation for those who are successfully treated. The whole biphasic reaction thing, it's extremely rare, like less than 5% of all patients. It appears to be greatest in patients, though, who, we said this earlier, have had severe anaphylaxis, hypotension, multiple doses of epinephrine are needed. And so you want to admit any unresolved patients who suffered from severe anaphylaxis for overnight observation. Anyone that completely resolves, you can probably discharge them. Don't forget the last step, which is really important. Discharge with steroids? No, not at all. Not at all. Discharge with an auto-injector prescription. In one study of over 1,800 patients, 30% didn't get a prescription for an auto-injector, but pretty much everyone got a prescription for steroids, which don't really do anything we've already established, so that's a lose situation. All right. And I think that's it for this rapid review here of anaphylaxis. This is all you need to know. Anaphylaxis in 20 minutes. So remember the highlights, the dose of anaphylaxis, which is going to be 0.01 milligrams per kilogram of epinephrine, max dose 0.5 per single dose. All right. That's the most important thing you can do. Everything else doesn't matter here, right? Never give it subcutaneous. Never give it IV. We talked about the details of IV drip. We talked about the details of recognizing anaphylaxis. You only have to have two system involvement. You definitely don't have to be hypotensive. Remember to check out our EM Rapid Bombs podcast. It's at the link below here in the podcast app you're probably listening to. It's also on our main website. Click and check it out. Remember, the IT is coming up. Don't be left behind. Do EM Rapid Bombs. You'll be happy you did. We have our tie trade-up plan, which you can trial EM Rapid Bombs. See if it's for you. And we'll see you next time. Hopefully Ildefat will be back. Thanks again.